Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Let me say about uh, Covered. That's the new series coming up next Sunday. Uh, I actually, um, the staff probably wanted to kill me, but I moved our entire preaching calendar uh, to do this series. We had a couple of other things planned, and uh, I just really felt that God was speaking to me about how he has us covered. And so we're going to spend five weeks talking about how that God has you covered. Aren't you thankful that God has your back? Amen. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like, how the angels um, respond uh, to the Word of God, how the Word becomes uh, a covering in your life, and and even how Scripture talks about your heart uh, to guard it because out of it flows the issues of life. And so we're going to hit that starting next Sunday. I'm really excited about it. Today, though, we're closing out our current series on the Holy Spirit. This series, we've called it My Best Friend. I hope you've been encouraged by this series. Um, and, And not just encouraged, I hope you've been encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, understanding that he wants to be your best friend. A little review before we dive into the scriptures today, but we learned in week one that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's not a force. He's not an experience. He's a person, all right, who has likes, dislikes, preferences, and he wants to be our best friend. In week two, we talked about friends with benefits. Y'all love the title, I know that. Um, but we learned that, uh, that in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, that he brings some benefits. And those benefits include he becomes a teacher, he becomes a guide, a counselor, he becomes a comforter in our life. And then last week, we talked about the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. That as we are intimate with the Holy Spirit, it unlocks some spiritual gifts that was given to you by God. If you missed that uh, message, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that and just find out that you are gifted. Matter of fact, touch your neighbor and tell them you're gifted. All right, so it was a very cool, very cool uh, message about how the Holy Spirit uses us. Today, I want to close out by talking about this thought, don't move without him. Don't move without him. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, don't move without him. All right, let's go to Luke's gospel, chapter number two. We're going to look at verses 41 through 51. This is a very interesting story. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, And then they began looking for him among their... Can you believe this? I mean, Mary and Joseph have lost the Son of God. And you thought you was a bad parent. Come on, y'all. Come on, they've lost Jesus. I mean, how do you lose Jesus? Um, But they've lost him. It reminded me of the the movie Home Alone. Y'all remember? Like, they just left and forgot Kevin, you know? They they forgot Jesus. And so they started looking for, for him among the relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem. Sometimes it's important that when you've lost intimacy with God to go back to the moment where you lost him. 
All right, so we'll hit that in just a minute. It says, after three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Can you imagine talking to Jesus like that? Hey, boy, you better watch it. You act like that again, I'm sending you back to your daddy, right? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. What a fascinating scripture that you could lose Jesus. That they lost the Son of God. Don't move without him. Many of you know that last year um, I started running a little bit and then kind of got away from it, picked it back up this year. Uh, and here's what I've learned, whether you're running or you go to the gym to work out. I know we got some, uh, you know, beefcakes here. I, I, I get it. Uh, but here's something I've learned about working out and exercise and all that. How many of you understand what I'm talking about when I say there are some days when you have it and some days when you don't? There are some days when you feel I can give 100%. I could bench press. Some of you guys I know like 500 pounds, right? You could do it. You could run all day long. And then there are some days where you feel like, man, I can't run two steps. There's just some days that you have it and some days that you don't. And there's nothing worse than thinking you have it only to show up and recognize in the moment that you don't have it. Whatever it is, you don't have it. And, and I want to say, everyone in this room has had moments where you've realized that something is missing. And a lot of times we, 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 we define it as an it, like just it's missing. I, I don't know what it is, but it's missing. I want to suggest to you that it's really not a missing it, it's a missing who. Because the Holy Spirit, he, he breathes life and passion on your relationship with God. I want to say it like this, that without the Holy Spirit, you, you may come to a worship experience like this, and, and though others are, are fired up and passionate about worship, you could be going through the motions. Maybe it's when you, you read your Bible, but to you, it seems to be bland and dry. And, and, and that disconnectedness, that, that being in a mundane place, oftentimes it's because of the missing who, which is the Holy Spirit. Um, I always love when people visit our church and, and I get to talk to them after the service or a few weeks later and they say things like, I, I don't know what it is, but when I was there, I just connected to the people. I felt something that I hadn't felt before. I connected to the songs. I felt like you were preaching and I was the only one in the building. How many of you understand? They may not be able to articulate what's happening, but what they're really saying is, is that the Holy Spirit is touching my life. That, that's what they are communicating. The Holy Spirit is, is doing something in my heart and in my life. Now, when we look at Mary and Joseph, they begun their day. They had accomplished a large part of their journey and then realized that they had lost Jesus. And, and they had just assumed Jesus was with them. And I want to say this. If it can happen to Mary and Joseph, how many know it can happen to us? I mean, if they, if, if they can, 
you know, just assume that Jesus is with him and him not be there, then if that can happen to his parents, earthly parents, then we know that can happen to us spiritually. So we're going to dive into that text and pull out some truths. But before we do that, I'm going to give you two foundational principles before we unpack the text that we read. The first being every believer has a threefold relationship with the Holy Spirit. Every believer has a threefold relationship with the Holy Spirit. The first is a constant presence. Everybody say constant presence. All right? I want to look at the Psalm of David. Look at what David said here in Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, some translation says, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. Believer or not a believer, how many of you understand God is omnipresent? He is everywhere all the time at the same, at the same time. That there is not a space in the universe that God doesn't occupy. He occupies all of space. He, he occupies, you know, all matter, all geography. God is everywhere at the same time, okay? That is the constant presence of God. But there's a next level that we're going to call the saving presence of God, okay? This is, this is second level. Look at Ephesians 1. Verse 13, it says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, what this is saying is that when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you, you admit, I'm a sinner, I've committed sins, I need Jesus to save me, you confess him as your Lord and Savior, that at that moment, your eternity is sealed. I will say it again, your eternity is sealed. And a lot of people struggle with that because they think, oh, I just hope I make it, Pastor. How I many know that's a, that's a pretty terrible place to live in? I hope I make it. If you are a follower of Jesus, you don't have to hope or wish. Come on, somebody. You're, you're on your way to heaven. Right? Anybody on their way to heaven today? Like two of you. Some of you are like, I don't know, man. I just hope I get in. I just hope I just I just hope I get in. And we got we got to change that mentality and know that that the Holy Spirit living in us is proof that our eternity is sealed, okay? So that's a powerful principle to understand, the saving presence of God. And then there's a third level, and this is the most misunderstood level. We have the constant, we have the saving, but we also have the intimate presence. All right? And I put in parentheses misunderstood. Because a lot of people don't understand that your relationship with God can grow. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit can deepen. That, that you, you should be experiencing more of God today than you did yesterday. That there's a difference between the constant presence, God's everywhere all the time, and God's intimate presence. In ways that we encounter God and experience God that is tangible. It's different. It's not just, okay, I'm aware that God is everywhere all the time, but it's those moments when you are, you've come face to face with God. You know he's speaking to you. You can sense him. You can feel him. You, it, it's almost like you can touch him. That is the intimate presence of God. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be where I'm at today without the intimate presence of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful that you can know God on an intimate level? 
It's a powerful principle to understand that we can go deeper. And the, the, the psalmist David, who penned Psalm 139, who said, if I make my bed in hell, God's there. He understood the constant presence. But he also prayed in Psalm 51. He said, create in me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit, O God. And do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. So on one scripture, David says, he's everywhere all the time. And another place, David is saying, don't take the Holy Spirit from me. Now, we could read both of those passages and think, David must be confused. In one place, he's everywhere, and in another place, he's saying, don't take his presence from me. What we have to understand about David is David recognized and understood that he could have an intimate relationship with God, that he could have a friendship with God, that that relationship can be deepened, and, and there is a difference between the constant presence of God and the intimate presence of God. So David got that. We should stop thinking, this is kind of a pet peeve of mine, we should stop thinking of the Holy Spirit as sitting in heaven. A lot of us, man, we, we don't even acknowledge that he's working in our life. We, when we think of the Holy Spirit, we, we think, you know, mystical. We think experience. We think, or, or maybe he's just in heaven, or we, we say, I just, I just wish God would pour out his spirit. Well, he did. And he doesn't have to pour him out again. The Holy Spirit is here and available and accessible to you and I. He wants to know us. Just because he completely knows us doesn't mean that we completely know him. And, and we, have to, we have to be willing. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, go deeper. you got to be willing to go deeper. Um, I'm going to say it in a way that we can really grab this. We can never get outside of God's constant presence. David, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. We can never get outside of his constant presence, but his intimate presence is not a guarantee. Say it like this. We can lose intimacy with God. We can lose intimacy with the Holy Spirit. How many of you understand? You can lose the intimacy in a marriage, in a friendship, in a relationship. The Holy Spirit is no different. He is a person. He has likes, dislikes, preferences, and how we respond to that will determine, I'm kind of ahead of myself, it will determine whether he comes upon our life or retrieves away from, retreats away from my life. All right, so this is very important, and we're going to see this illustrated in the story in just a minute. So every believer has a threefold relationship with the Holy Spirit, and secondly, an intimate friendship is an intentional friendship. Anybody you're close to, it's because you've been intentional. You, you have gone out of your way to find out what they like, what they don't like, you know, what, what, what you know, what makes them tick, what, how are they wired, you, you found all of that out, you've been very intentional in developing a relationship to anyone that you've, you've grown close to. The same is true with the Holy Spirit, that, that as we learn about him, as we come to know him, we, we can deepen that relationship, um, and, and we learn that what, what pleases those that are close to us, we, we try to do those things, and, and that should be the same mindset with the Holy Spirit. Look at, what, look at what Paul said. He said in Ephesians 5.10, he said, find out what pleases the Lord. I love that scripture, because Paul wouldn't have said that if it was impossible to find it out. 
You can find out what pleases God and then do that. Now, a lot of us, we don't, we don't really want to search to what pleases God, and, and it's because we're searching for what pleases us. Now, don't throw anything. I'm not the angry preacher. I'm just saying you can go deeper. I'm saying you can lose intimacy in your relationship with God. Um, check this out. One of, let me ask it like this. What is the biggest difference? What is one of the biggest differences between you and Jesus? Besides the beard and robe, all right? What, what is one of the biggest differences between you and Jesus? All right, I'm going to answer it for you. Check this out. One of the biggest differences is that Jesus was never separated from an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. All throughout Scripture, we see the Holy Spirit coming up on individuals and then leaving. Holy Spirit would come upon them. They would do something amazing. The Holy Spirit would depart. But John 1.32 says, Then John gave this testimony. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. The Holy Spirit remained on Jesus. Like It wasn't like Jesus was close this week and then next week he wasn't. The Holy Spirit, once the Holy Spirit descended upon him, the Holy Spirit remained on him. And, and I just want to suggest to you today that you don't have to have weeks where you're intimate with God and then weeks where you don't know God and then weeks where you're on fire and then weeks where you're not on fire. The Holy Spirit wants to come upon your life and remain there. Not come and go, but remain. How many want the Holy Spirit to remain? Y'all looking at me like deer in the headlights, like, Pastor, I just, uh, I don't know about this. He wants to remain with you. And a lot of times, our, our, our response to him will determine whether he remains or retreats. Have you ever grieved the Holy Spirit? I have. There have been moments when I knew what I did and what I said was not what the Holy Spirit wanted. Some of you, if you'll just think back to the last argument you had. I know you're holy and you haven't argued in 24 years, but if you can remember the last argument you had. There was probably a moment in the conversation where the Holy Spirit checked you and said, don't say that. But how many of us have ignored that check? We go ahead and say whatever it is we want to say, and then the argument escalates to the next level. Because we think that the Holy Spirit can only be hurt by these massive sins. Like, it's got to be some big sin. Well, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit can be hurt by lying, by bitterness, by unforgiveness in our heart, sexual immorality. All those things can hurt the Holy Spirit, okay? So it's not just the big things. There are things that we do that can cause the Holy Spirit to retreat instead of remain. So I'm way ahead of myself and out of order. Hit your neighbor and say, it's all right, okay? I'm all over the map. I have no idea how I'm going to tie it together now. Um, that don't happen often, but it, it, it's happened, all right? Those guys back there are like, where is he? I don't know. All right, I believe... We can clearly see our relationship with the Holy Spirit in this story when we look at Mary and Joseph and their relationship with Jesus. The question that I want to answer with these next few points is, how do we 
how do we impair intimacy with the Holy Spirit? How, how do we do that? Number one, rituals replace relationships. The way we hurt our relationship with the Holy Spirit is when we have rituals and our rituals replace relationship. If you look at this verse, um, it says, look at, look at Luke 2.43 and then I'll read. It says, and the festival was over and while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were not aware of it. Look at the verse before in, in verse 42. It says, when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom." Now, you can underline according to the custom because that was the ritual. A Jewish family, this devout family, would follow Jewish law, and they would go to Jerusalem three times a year for three different feasts. It was the ritual. It was what they did. It was kind of like our Christmas. Every December, December we know we're going to celebrate. We're going to get together with family and friends. We're, we're going to you know, have a dinner on this day. There, it was a custom. It was a ritual that they did. Joseph and Mary's mistake, though, was to believe that Jesus would follow the same ritual and the same pattern that he had before. That was the mistake that they made. Rituals replace relationship when we forget that the Holy Spirit is a person. And a lot of us, we, we, we're not really in relationship. We're just following some customs. We're following a ritual. And, and I, I hate to go here, but we, we, but we treat God, we treat the Holy Spirit like a vending machine. Like we're going to show up, and, and at this time, we're going to push that button, and we're going to expect this result. And for many, the ritual of church has replaced relationship. Church is important. God ordained church. This is important. We, it's ordained. We, we know we need to be a part of church, but church should never replace your relationship with God. But many people look at church as their entire relationship with God, and they're like, Pastor, I want to show up on Sunday, and I want you to have spent time in God's presence. I want your face shining with the glory of God. I want you to find out what he likes and what he don't like, and then I want to show up, and after you've spent all week with him, I want you to tell me what he thinks. We've, we've put church above our own relationship with God. And I can't know you through another person. Like if I want to get to know you, I can't do that with a mediator. If I'm gonna to get to know you, I, I need you to come to my house, we need to have a cup of coffee, I need to talk to you. I can't find out who you are and get to know you through someone else. I want you to know it's not my responsibility just to hear God for you, I want to hear God with you. And again, I'm not the angry preacher today. I'm just telling you, you can go deeper. Some of you are getting a picture of your angry preacher. You went to church and he said, everybody's going to hell. That's not what I'm trying to say today. I'm saying you can have a deeper relationship with God. That you can know him on a more intimate level. Um, Joseph and Mary, they, they took Jesus' personhood for granted. And they didn't see the need to keep up with him because they just figured he would always do what he had always done. He would just keep doing what he's doing. I wonder how many people 
are watching for God to do what he's always done. And while they're watching for God to do what he's always done, they're missing what he's doing. Because just as soon as you think you got God figured out, he will turn left. God is not going to be kept in a box. God is not going to be just figured out. So how do we impair uh, intimacy with the Holy Spirit? We Rituals replace relationship. Number two, we move from God's thinking to our thinking. Look at Luke 2.44. It says, thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Thinking he was with them, they traveled on for a day. I wonder how many of us have traveled on thinking he's with us and he's not. We've continued to do our thing, thanking God's with us, and not really realizing that he's not with us. Our days are filled with a lot of decisions that we all have to make. Every day we have decisions to make. But do you know what the greatest decision you will make every single day? Will I be spirit-led or senses-led? Every single day, that's the question. Will I be led by the Spirit or be led by my feelings. As I said earlier, the last argument you had, there was probably a moment where the Holy Spirit checked you and said, don't say that. And, and we ignored it. And we don't realize that in those little moments like that, that a lot of times we are hurting our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and the common link, when you look at Ephesians 4, where it tells us that lying and, and being angry and stealing and cursing and bitterness and unforgiveness, all of those things hurt the Holy Spirit. The common link between all those behaviors that you read, they are all born out of feelings. That I'm no longer thinking about what God thinks. I'm no longer thinking his thoughts. I'm only concerned with how I feel. How do you know that you are drifting in your relationship with God? You'll start hearing this a lot. I feel this way. I feel like this I mean, you don't, you don't just decide to be bitter. You, you felt your way into bitterness. Y'all rough crowd. You feel your way there. You let your feelings take priority over what God's word says and our relationship with God begins to drift. And, and it's not just I feel, but it's also I know. When you hear somebody that always says, I know, I know, I know. They have replaced their thoughts and made their thoughts higher than God's th thoughts. And it's, it's a dangerous place to be when we're led by, the, by our feelings because feelings are flimsy. Feelings are all over the map. Consider this. I mean, consider how your feelings lead your life. You look in the mirror and you feel fat, right? Come on, somebody smile. I need some help. You, you feel fat, and so you decide I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to get in shape. You diet, but then you feel hungry. And after you feel hungry, that hungry feeling leads you to overeat. Now you feel bad about breaking your diet, and so you eat ice cream to make yourself feel better. Right? It's come full circle all because you've been led by your feelings the entire time. 
And, and, and the whole I know, I know, I know, I know. We, we get stuck on I know. It reminds me of this pastor in Kentucky who was struggling with his church. And, and the church wasn't doing good. And he gets a call one day out of the blue. And the call was an invitation to come and be a pastor of a church, a successful church in Hawaii. And so he gives this spiritual answer. He says, oh, I'll pray about it and get back to you. But when he hangs up the phone, he looks at his wife and says, you pray, I'll pack. <laughs> come on, y'all. And that's how many of us are. We, listen, listen to me today. It is, it's hard to seek the mind of God when your mind is already made up. How can you seek the mind of God when you've already made up your mind? You've already decided. Listen, I'm, I'm away. These guys are going to be mad at me. Jesus didn't die to follow you. Jesus died for you to follow him. Proverbs 14, 12. Y'all come back next week. I'm nicer usually. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end, in the end it leads to death. Our thoughts and feelings are a broken compass. Our thoughts and feelings will lead us in the wrong direction. The third way in which we impair intimacy with the Holy Spirit is we assume that he is following our lead. We assume he's following our lead. Luke 2.44 says, Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Mary and Joseph assumed that just because they moved, he moved. Just because we, we, we left, then Jesus must have left. One of the dangers of following Christ for a long time, I'm not saying it's dangerous to follow Christ for a long time, I'm saying in our thinking, when we follow Christ for a long time, a lot of times we, we, just, we start assuming that our agenda and his agenda is the same thing, that we are on the same page. From Mary's example, we can learn that we should not presume upon God merely because we have a close relationship with him. We should never be presumptuous. After all, she was the mother. If anybody could presume, it should have been Mary that if we leave, then he's going to leave. But if Mary can miss it, then I think you and I can miss it. When we welcome the Holy Spirit into our life, we need to welcome him to do whatever he wants to do. Not welcome him and then tell him how he's going to do it. But welcome him and say, if you want to bring peace, that's awesome. If you want to show me a scripture, that's awesome. If you want to put your finger, Holy Spirit, on a part of my heart that's out of alignment with you, then go ahead and do it. We don't get the right to tell God how he's going to move in our heart. We welcome him and let him begin doing the work. There have been many times I've tried to lead the Holy Spirit. I've tried to, I just assume that we're doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. The irony is that the Holy Spirit was given to us to direct us. Not you and I directing him, but he, is, he was sent to us to direct us. Look at Luke 2.48. It says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Can you imagine having that conversation with the Son of God? Why have you done this? Why, why are you treating us so poorly? See, when, when Joseph and Mary finally found him, they spoke to him out of 
you know how, have you ever lost your kid, even if it was for like two seconds? You know the fear that comes over you, and when you finally find them, you speak out of relief, but you also speak out of frustration. And you can almost see the relief and the frustration in what she says to him. And, and this is probably the first time in Jesus' life that he has to explain his crazy mom to all his buddies. I can just see her, you know, with the, the house coat on and rollers in her house and, or in, her, in her hair and, and saying, if you do that again, I'll send you back to your father. You know what I'm talking about. I'll, I'll take care of you. I can just imagine that moment where she speaks to him. And I think in the moment, she kind of, without really knowing it, overstepped her bounds because she forgot that she was his caretaker, but he was her cross-bearer. Come on, church. That he was the one that would die for her sins. I occasionally hear people say, God, why aren't you? God, when are you? Careful that you don't start viewing God as someone who serves you. We're called to serve him. Luke 2.49 says, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had, I had to be in my father's house. Well, you know what Jesus is really saying here? I never moved. You did. And I think that's a great point because a lot of times when we've lost intimacy with God, what we really need to do is go back to the moment where, where we had him last, where we felt intimate the last time. Because sometimes, how many's ever gotten ahead of God? You moved on way too fast. You, you moved, but he didn't move. Maybe you've lost intimacy today. And this kind of, this message, it, as I was preparing, it didn't feel this heavy, but at 8.30 it felt this heavy, and now it feels heavy again. I'm like, man, we need to get this thing lightened up a little bit. But I want to give you three things. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor? I feel like, or I know that, or it seems to me that in a season somewhere back here that I was closer to God. I feel like at, there was a time when I was more intimate with God than I am now. I want to give you three things to get that back. How do I get the intimacy back if I've lost it? Number one, change directions. Change directions. That's repentance. I think in the church we do a good job of forgiveness, but I think we do a poor job of repentance. We all want to be forgiven. We want the slate wiped clean. But Scripture demands repentance. Repentance means that I change my mind. And I also change directions. It means that my life was going this way, but now I'm going to turn around and go the opposite direction. I'm going to change directions. That's what true repentance looks like. Luke 2.46, it says, After three days... They found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. I found this interesting. Check this out. They traveled away from Jesus one day, but it took three days to find him. A moment of sin separates us immediately, and it takes longer to regain that same level of intimacy. One day they traveled away, but three days to find him. Have you ever done something and then just felt like, God's not real close to me right now? How many know that? It's not, again, I'm not the angry preacher. God wants to be close. 
The Holy Spirit wants to be close. He wants to pull us in. But he is a person who has likes, dislikes, and feelings, and he wants to remain, but we have to work with him. Once we've been separated from the Holy Spirit, once we feel like that intimacy has been broken, we can only find him by returning to the place where we lost him. Where was it the last time you experienced God? What's happened since then? What bitterness is it that you need to let go of? Who is it that you, you, you need to pick up the phone and forgive someone? What, what is separating you from that close, intimate relationship with God? We have to change directions. Number two, passionately pursue him. When Jesus was lost, the only thing that mattered to Mary and Joseph was we got to find him, right? We're going to do everything in our power to find him. We're going to passionately pursue him. And the reason this is important is because without the Holy Spirit, you can't hear God's voice. Without him, you have no guidance for the future. Without him, you have no grace. Without him, you have no power. Without him, you have no influence. I'm just going to say it like this. Without him, you have nothing. That's why David said, after he sinned, committed adultery, lied, murdered, done all this stuff, he said, don't take your spirit from me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit. But God, please, don't take your Holy Spirit from me because I know that I need your presence. And the last thing is the worship team comes back. Make every effort to remain at his side. Make every effort to remain at his side. Luke 2, 51 this whole story ends and it says this, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. When you read about Mary, all throughout scripture, it was all, it's almost like she's always close to Jesus's ministry. Everywhere you see him doing ministry, it's almost like Mary is always close by. It's almost like as any mother would be. Anywhere he was, she wanted to be. All the way from Cana, all the way to the cross, one, one thing is, is consistent. Mary is always close by. And I think it's so powerful because she gives Luke, the, the, the man who wrote this book, she gives him one story about Jesus' childhood. None of the other gospel writers document this, just Luke. And, and she gives him one story. Now, how many know she probably had hundreds of Jesus stories? as a kid, but she only shares this one. And I think that is a significant statement that we should never move without him. Come on, hit two people and say, don't move without him. If you're going to make a, if you got a big decision to make, if you got, you know, you, you need to stop long enough to say, Holy Spirit, what do you, what a novel idea. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Holy Spirit, how do you want me to look at this marriage? Holy Spirit, how do you want me to raise these kids? Holy Spirit, how do you want me to handle the money you've given me? Holy Spirit, what job do you want? And, and, and listen, guys, the Holy Spirit will be involved in any part of your life that you invite him into. Some of us, we're living our life and we feel like we have no intimacy with God. It's because we don't invite him into anything. We want to come to church and feel God and then do our own thing. Again, come back next week. I'll be nicer. 
We've got to slow down and say, Holy Spirit, I want to be intimate with you. I want to know you on a deeper level. And we learn from his mother, don't ever move without him. Do you stand to your feet all over this place today? And as you stand to your feet, I want you to just close your eyes in this moment. Bow your heads. I want to ask, before we do an invitation for salvation, I just want to ask, as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, because I really felt that there would be people here today that the truth is, if you, if you were completely honest, you would just say, you know, Pastor, I feel like I was closer to God in a previous season. I felt like I had a greater level of intimacy in the past than I do right now, and I feel like this word was for me to pursue God again, to pray again, to invite the Holy Spirit into my life again, to put him first again. If, if that's you, I'm not going to ask you to come out of your seat. I just want to know who I'm talking to, who I'm praying for. If you just feel like, man, this, this was for me, it's where I'm at. If it's for you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Just There's hands all over this building, all over this building. People who feel like they were closer to God in a previous season. Father, I just speak over this congregation right now, God, and every hand that lifted was lifted. God, I, God, I just want to do what you've called me to do and say what you've called me to say. And God, I pray that you would just help everyone understand. I'm not being mean today. I pray you'd help them know that. But God, more importantly than how they perceive me and what I've said, God, that in this moment they recognize that they can have a close, intimate relationship with you. And God, it's... We, we don't want to go another day without your intimate presence. We don't want to go another moment. We don't want to have to be the people who say, God, we knew you better back then. We were closer to you back then. God, we truly want to be able to say that we are close to you now, that we're hearing your voice now, that we're praying now, that we're, we're seeking you now. I, I just... Church, I sense the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. Would you just lift your, this is a little different. Come on, just lift your hands in his presence. I, I sense his presence here. Come on, begin to talk to him. Come on, those of you that feel like you were closer in a past season, come on, begin to talk to him. You Use your words. Say what you need to say. Father, touch us today. We want to know you, Jesus. We want to be intimate with you, Jesus. We want to be led by you, Jesus. Father, we just repent, God, in this moment for the areas where we've not put you, put you first. God, we repent, God, for making our feelings more important than your word. God, you didn't die for God to follow us. You died so that we could follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that you would just touch our heart right now in this moment and help us to recognize, God, our need for you. God, that we need that closeness. We need that intimacy, God. We can't, God, we can't love the, our spouse the way that we're called to without you. We can't raise our children, God, without you. We can't hear, God, what our next step is without you. We just ask you to touch our hearts today, God. Help us to grow, to recognize you, Holy Spirit, as a person. Help us not forget that. I sense his grace and 
his presence. And what you sense in this place right now, that's, that's the Holy Spirit just saying, I want to know you, but I, I also want you to know me. He wants to be your best friend. I'm going to ask another question, very important one. If you're in this place today or watching online and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior. I need Jesus to forgive me. I need him to save me. And I'm not leaving here. I'm not going another moment without Jesus. I, I want to confess him as my Lord and Savior. If that is you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Thank you for these two hands in the middle. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, that's me. I, I want to know Jesus. Anyone else? One over here. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else before we pray? I want to know Jesus. Anyone else? Church, we're going to pray with these hands. If you're watching online, it's not too late for you to join this prayer. Come on, everybody lift their voice. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Help me, Jesus, to change directions. Thank you so much for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate those people right now. Amen, that's amazing. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, take a moment to fill out an I've Decided card. You can leave this in your seat. We would love to help you on your journey. Just take a little time, say, I made a decision for Christ today. We would love to help you with your next step. How many of you would say that you got something out of this series, my best friend? Anybody receive something from it? Amen. I'm going to ask my prayer team and staff to come forward. We're going to close with one song and a time of prayer. If you need prayer today, please don't leave without receiving it. God bless you. I love you. Bethesda Church loves you. Thank you so much for being here. Before we pray and sing, can we give God the best praise we have all day? Come on, church. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.